Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop, the world's most powerful, wearable health and fitness coach. Throughout the Giro Italia, Whoop is partnering with the EF Education First Easy Post Pro Cycling Team and Velon to give cycling fans a behind the scenes look of what riders' life heart rates are during the race and everything off the bike, including what recovery and sleep data look like over the course of a grand tour. Whoop isn't just for professionals though, whether you're an avid cyclist or just getting started, Whoop is there to help you understand your body better. It's not just another fitness tracker. It measures loads of metrics and vital signs, including heart rate variability, resting heart rate, daily activity, and a full breakdown of your sleep. Whoop takes all that data and provides you with personalized recommendations and feedback so that you can accomplish your own goals from being more active to sleeping better. Know when you should go big and when you should go for a light spin with Whoop. And from my personal experience, the sleep tracker function for me is fantastic. I mean, when you're sleeping, you're sleeping. You don't really know what's going on. But in the morning, when you can go back and look at how much REM sleep, how much deep sleep, how much time you spent awake, and then get an overall recovery score from that, it can definitely set you on the right path during the day. And they just released their all-new 4.0. It's even smaller and smarter, designed with biometric tracking, including skin temperature, blood oxygen, and more. So go to whoop.com, that's W-H-O-O-P.com, and enter the code BOBBY, B-O-B-B-Y, all uppercase, at checkout to save 15% today. I think he was more heavy than, than I was because I was just super surprised, you know, and he came to the finish line. And he was like all over the place. <laughs> yes, folks, that melancholic voice you just heard is that of a very influential man that played a huge part in both Jens and my own career, as well as many others. I hope you enjoy our talk today with Bjarne Ries here on Bobby and Jens. As promised everyone, one of the most influential people in both Jens and my own life, Bjarne Ries, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to hear you, boys. <laughs> Man, I have to say, you know, I follow our buddies, our teammates uh, on social media. And I saw that you guys were together, uh, Jens, Frank and Andy Schleck and Fabian up in, I believe it was Denmark. What was that event all about? Wow. Uh, well, that was, uh, that was a great event. Uh, we did in five days, uh, five evenings speeches for in total six, 7,000 people. So it was, Great events, talk shows every night. So uh, it was fantastic to, to see the boys and uh, yeah, and also hear all the people that came, uh, the enthusiasm they had actually for, for this old team. So I believe half of it, we talked about the old CSC team, Team Saxobank and team building camps. 
And the other half was more about the Tour de France coming to Denmark, I suppose, right? And yeah, yeah. it was fantastic. Five stages, five days, five cities. That was a great event. Yeah, I have to say I was uh, a little jealous seeing you guys together again. I was just like, wait a second, they're having a, a survival <laughs> camp without me. And I'm sure there was a certain amount of survival after those presentations were over. But uh, hey, we're all grown men now, and uh, you were a big part of that. But hey, listen, before we get into you know the you, I will you know the Giro is heading into its second week. Um, super exciting race so far. Um, what is your take so far on the Giro, and how do you see things panning out with the the, the old famous Bjarne Ries crystal ball? <laughs> so I assume you think that I'm watching the Giro every day. Well, <laughs> yeah, well I guess I would be least... disappointed if you weren't. <laughs> at least we hope you read your resume at night. <laughs> no, I'm I'm watching. Of course, I'm following. I see all the races I can actually. So, uh, no, I still follow cycling a bit. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's still a young Giro and uh, there's still a lot of things to hopefully see. Uh, unfortunately, I was sad to see Yates out the other day and, uh, you know, losing that much out of the classement. And, uh, well, I think it's... a it is exciting. Well, Grand Tours, they're always exciting, you know, but uh, I still haven't seen the race I want to see yet. You know, I mean, <clears throat> looking at today, today's stage, you know, I mean, amazing this, this Italian guy, Kamei, uh, he's, he's winning, I mean, beating Thunderpool. That's, that's something, you know, and uh, that's, it's, it's good for cycling, you know. Uh, although I'm disappointed to see that actually controlling the race a stage like this this is too too not uh world tour teams uh that surprises me a lot and i'm actually a little bit sad to see that to be honest uh, i i expect more from from the world tour teams uh but <clears throat> anyway that that's that's a different story of course you know because i think there when we see that, then cycling has a problem. But anyway, coming to the Giro, I think we hope we could see something on, on, on Blockhouse, but yeah, they tried to do something, but there was not really the, the legs to do to make a difference for anybody, you know? And then it's like, yeah, it, it might be too early. I don't know, but, but maybe we need a harder race and uh, yeah. I'm not quite sure, but uh, I expected a little bit more from Carapaz, to be honest. His team is working very hard. But uh, well, I hope that the second and third week we're going to see some more action because otherwise, yeah, it will be too boring, to be honest. I'm so glad, actually, you mentioned um, today's stage with Biniam Gme winning. In, in my eyes... Um, I think we see a superstar in the making. I mean, he won one of the classics earlier, then went home. He arrived, uh, I believe, uh, just a few days before his next race, just getting fresh like that into the Giro, winning a stage. I think there's much more potential in him. We haven't seen the fully 
developed bike rider. What's your point, Bjarne? Do you think he could be maybe one day winning Flanders or he's becoming a sprinter? But I'm sure he's much better than he did show already, right? He's the, he's the surprise of the year so far, I think. And uh, I think it's wonderful uh, to have an, an African rider to, to, to be able to do what he's doing. I mean, winning Genverigum <clears throat> was... Especially, you know, you don't win just get very good like that, you know. I mean, I mean that's for specialists, and he's definitely not a specialist, but he's still winning. So I think that was amazing, and then winning a stage like he win today. I mean, with a with an aggressive Fenderpool and a determined Fenderpool, he wanted to win today, and he got beaten. Uh, I think then you need then you need some capacity. You know, and the way the sprint was 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 done, I think you're, he was really strong. But you you are right, Jens. I mean, he's in the making, and I think this is a, a new star. So uh, there's something to look at uh, for the future with him. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But we, I only did one Giro, and obviously I did the Tour de France a few more times. But Bjarna, I'd be interested. And, and I'm sure our listeners would as well. You know, you were you were a rider in the Giro and you were a manager for the Giro and the Tour. So what do you think is kind of like the main difference between the Giro and the Tour? Hmm. The tension. I think the tension is, 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 is crucial and, and there the Tour is just bigger, you know. I think... <clears throat> the general strength of the teams and uh, I would say all the riders is is just higher in the tour. You know, it's not the parkour that's harder or, or anything like that because I think the parkour in the Giro and Walsa actually might be harder uh, than the tour. But the tour just have more pressure and uh, I think a lot of the teams are more prepared It takes more. It takes more to to actually be up there. The way I uh, often described it um, at um, the Giro, you got four people you want to win, and maybe twelve want to be top ten. At the Tour, you got ten you want to win, and you got thirty at least you want to be top ten. And every single rider in the Tour wants to win a stage. That's why the tension, Bjarne, you mentioned. There's so much more tension, so much more stress, and fighting for positions. I believe that's that's one of the biggest reasons why it is actually the hardest or most difficult race, I, I believe. I mean, a, a lot of young riders, if they win a, a stage in the Giro, they double their salary. If they win a stage in the Tour, they triple their salary. You can also point it out like that. <laughs> a man uh, speaking from experience that had to deal with that a lot, but... Hey, in, in 1989, early in your career, you helped your team leader at the time, Lauren Fignon, you know, a legend of the sport, win the Giro, and you actually got to win a stage yourself in, in stage nine, which I believe was your first pro victory. Um, I know it's been a long time, but please tell us about that legend, uh, Lauren Fignon, um, your win, and perhaps any other memories that, that you have of that of that year it's definitely one of the most uh, fantastic riders i have been riding with uh, and 
if if not the most fantastic, I think. So, I mean, he was amazing because he was just so different. Although he was he was very professional. He was, uh, I mean, a willpower and a capacity just fantastic. And and yeah, I remember that day in the Giro, I was riding for him every single day. And at that point, <clears throat> you know, I was like. Okay, if you can't win, you need to make yourself, uh, you know, just that everybody wants you in the team and you're, you're, you're leading the team that wants you, they can't ride without you, you know, that's that's very important. And, uh, and I was riding for him every day in the wind and up and down and everything and then suddenly we come to this long, warm stage, you know, and it was a hilly hilly one, uh, some small mountains, and, and we were sitting there like 30, 40 kilometers to go. And suddenly he come up to me and say, hey, Bjarne, just go. What, what do you mean? Go. I mean, I'm here with you, so I'm not going to move anywhere. Just go. So obviously he saw that I was, I had good legs that day. And, and he wanted to do some payback. Already stage nine, you know, sitting in, in, in the... Uh, the pink jersey and, and uh, I was like okay well then we go you know and suddenly I find myself in a breakaway and uh, yeah you know I ended up winning <laughs> I think he was more happy than, than I was because I was just super surprised you know and he came to the finish line and he was like all over the place <laughs> you know? so uh, that was fantastic and you ended up winning that Giro right Uh, Giro often is uh, famous for bad weather. Did you guys back then had also one of these days with snow in the mountains and rain and all that, or you were lucky that year? No, no, we had, I think we had some snow also, cold rain and snow, yeah. Uh, yeah, but that was just a part of it. <laughs> That's it, you just have to deal with that, you know. If it's sun or, or snow, that really doesn't matter. There's a race to do. Get on with it. Get on with it. That's for sure. Um, now I want to move into the real meat of this conversation, because like I said before, you're such an influential person in, in our careers. Uh, but I'm sure that if you ask any of your past riders or staff to describe your number one strength, all or many, if not all, would say leadership. Um, becoming a leader does not happen overnight. So I'd be interested for you to share your leadership style, who influenced you, and how you've had to adjust that leadership style over the years, because you were a leader. Like, you were our leader. You did everything for us. So yeah, tell our listeners about your definition of leadership. Well, I mean, <clears throat> I think you're not a born leader. That's something you grow and uh, and you develop over the years <clears throat> with age. And I think I had to be like 30, 32 before I really became a leader, you know, to take responsibility for yourself and, and for the people around you. Uh, but it's something you want, you need to like. And, and I think some... 
suddenly something maybe it's just there and then it grows and then then you think okay then it's just natural for you but i think leadership is so important and, and why did i become a leader to be honest i don't really know uh, but it just came i've seen many leaders followed many leaders over the years good and bad and uh, and 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 i always like said that i have two boxes one is for the good memories one is for the bad memories you know and then i pick out what i think is the right things because you also have to see uh, look at the bad memories sometimes uh, because of things you have to avoid and remember but then i think uh, i mean every the world need leadership you know and i i look around uh, today and, and i see so much poor leadership and it's it's awful to be honest uh, and it's sad to see um but you know then you take decisions i mean finally i won the tour when you win the tour you kind of become some somehow a leader uh, because you you need to guide your team and uh, and then you grow on it and and uh, i think then you have okay you i started the team and then have a young uh, a lot of young people and and then start thinking okay what do i really want to do here uh, and at that time i wanted to create something the cycling world hasn't seen before you know and and that's definitely with leadership uh, but also a philosophy so what i started to do was to create an organization an organization that run is run like a company because i think the organization is the fundament of your team and you need strong people around you. You need people that actually can do the things that maybe yourself you're not so good at, you know. And also, so you are able to to be the leader. Uh, because <clears throat> I always have this example of of running a boat or sailing a boat. If you're the captain, you 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 can't put up the sails. You need some good people to put up the sails. You need some good people to to uh, cook dinner downstairs you need the right people on every post on, on the ship and if and if, if i as a leader is running around and, and pulling up the sails i don't see where the ship goes you know so i had to stand behind the steering wheel but in in my opinion it, it's it's not even that it's you have to stand behind the guy with the steering wheel because then you can you can control observe and, and and do leadership tell the people where to go what what direction we want to go in and i think this is this is very important as a leader that you can sit in the helicopter and have the global view of your team company or whatever it is family whatever not that in the family you sit at home and then you do nothing because your wife and kids they're doing all the all the stuff that would be nice hi huh, jens but uh, <laughs> but uh, but i think but i think if you don't have control and overlook of everything as a leader, you lose control. There were some pretty wise words there, Bjarne. And maybe <clears throat> give me or our uh, viewers like one or two examples of who are the people where you took or where you took the memories from the good memories out. 
Like who like who would you say like oh yeah I picked this up from him or this from him? No, you don't want it. Talk about it. That's fine with me. Keep the secret with you. That's good. I was just curious. No, I think I, no, I think I think if you want to write your own book, then then you need to or your own book of leadership. Then you need to take a little bit from everyone, and everyone has some good sides and some bad sides. You know, including myself. And, uh, and 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 then you have to look at it. But then you also have to look at which situation they were in when they took decisions, the good decisions and the bad decisions, you know. So uh, it's not just that easy, I think. And I think this is what is great about leadership, you know. It's not just something you do, you know. So, I mean, I can't help it. I'm. I know I'm a leader. I know I'm a strong leader. And I, I can't help looking at things as a leader, how organizations are running, how teams are going. You know, I, when I watch cycling and television, I see how they act, react as a team, if they're there for each other or not. I see it immediately because it, it, I looked at it my whole life. If I go with my 11 years old son uh, at soccer, uh, I can't help it. I'm, I'm looking at the team if 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 they have if. First of all, my son is playing as a team or not. If the team is playing as a team, if his teammate are playing well as a team, how is the coach reacting? Does he interfere? Does he not? Is he a leader? Does he coach them or not? And and I think this is super interesting. Uh, and, and, and yeah, I look at it every single day you know, because it's interesting me and uh, leadership is, is a big passion for me. But it must feel good. Uh, I remember one of the first things that you said in one of the, the meetings that we had in Lanzarote, Spain, back in 2003, when, when I joined the team, you gave an amazing speech. And I knew right then and there that this is the team that I've been looking for my entire career. And this is where I'm going to stay for, you know, until I retire, which is what I did. But you said towards the end, I don't only want you to become better cyclists, I want you to become better men. And you did that for a lot of us. And how good does it feel now to see Kurt Osle Arvison, Ivan and, and Alberto, and now Fabian starting their own teams? Because like you gave us so much of that foundation. And now that foundation is being passed to the next generation through through these guys. It must feel good, right? I mean, you you inspired these people to kind of do what you did. No, I'm super happy. Uh, absolutely, it's 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 so important for me because at that at that time I I had a I had a dream about this, you know, creating uh, men in young people and uh, and also to give them something that they could use for the rest of their lives, you know. And so maybe one day they stop up and think about, well, why do I do the things I do? And uh, ah, that's what I learned at Beyond's team. Uh, if that's possible, then I am very successful. And <clears throat> I tell you, Bobby, uh, Jens and I, we were together last week with Andy, Frank and, and, and Fabian on this tour in Denmark. And uh, and I, it really came to my heart uh, that to see these, these people, all of you guys, you know, that you become leaders and and working with the values that 
we had at that time. I think that's the biggest achievement I could ever have as a leader. No, so, I mean, results, they were there, yes, it's fine, but it's not just, just that, you know. I mean, you guys became men and, uh, you know, not just men, but also personalities. And, and I tell you, to see to see see them all, I mean, a greater personalities today than when they were bike riders. And, and that's fantastic. Well, and Bjarne, um, you know, the uh, values we had, you know, teamwork, is built out of communication, commitment, loyalty, and respect. I actually try to run my family also with these values. And hopefully my kids will pass that on to their children. So, Bjarne, in one way, that makes you immortal, right? These teamwork value things, they will go on for many more generations, at least I hope in my family, because it's really good to live after them. So, yes, you are just a little bit immortal with these words Thank you, you <laughs> told us back then in 2003 when I heard them the first time. Thank you. Thank you, Jens. Big words. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, that, that same camp back in Lanzarote, You know, you introduced to me, at least, I think you had done it a few years prior, you know, the survival camps, um, you know, that shorter but more specific training, the, the core stability training, uh, the emphasis on time trial position and time trial training, and most, most importantly, stressing, you know, do it the right way. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that The time. I know you guys. I know you guys called it uh, uh, survival camps, but you know, Bobby, we called it team training camps because we trained how to be a team. Yes, and and we did, and that was one of the 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 most crucial things that we took away that I took away from those camps is, you know, you you're surrounded by 30 other teammates, and you want to know how they react under pressure. And But you were one of the first to do all this. And now there are teams that are basically kind of implementing what you did, you know, back in the early 2000s. Um, where do you see, now that everyone's paying attention to every single detail, uh, every single marginal gain, where do you think is the area that pays the most highest dividends right now? Leadership. Leadership and make sure your team work as a team. I think that's that's what I see that the teams are lacking of. Many teams are lacking of. I, I'm not saying all of them because some of them are actually okay. Uh, but <clears throat> but I think this is where the focus, first of all, have to be because that's the fundament of the team. And then you can start after that. When you have created that, then you can start to build on the small marginal gains or whatever you call it uh, and add it on. But I, I'm afraid that uh, actually many teams, many companies, they forget about that first and then they go directly to the, the, the low-hanging fruits. If you want to get more Out of your free time, sign up to Outside Plus. For less than a dollar a week, you can get six print and digital issues of Peloton Magazine, exclusive membership content from values.com, access all the premium content from the whole Outside family, including Yoga Journal, Backpacker, Ski, 
Outside Magazine and many others. And that's not all. There are discounts of the hottest gear and biggest events, access to Gaia, GPS, and trail forks, as well as virtual health and fitness courses. It's $350 of value in one $99 annual subscription. But if you head to valuenews.com forward slash outside plus and enter BJPOD25, all one word, lowercase, at checkout, you will receive our special 25% discount and make a good deal. Great. And now back to our chat with Bianca. So, uh, Bianca, there's no doubt that you put cycling onto the map back home in Denmark, right? I mean, you had a fantastic career. Um, of course, you had Kim Anderson, Brian Holm there, Jesper Skibi, a few other uh, well-known riders, Rolf Sörensen. Um, just lately, we have a lot of young, super talented Danish kids, right? Like Mats Pedersen, he was a world champion. You got uh, classic winners, Tour de France stage winners there. Um, would it be fair to say it kind of like kicked off with your Tour de France win and your career? Or is it just that cycling is popular in the moment um, because it's a great sport? I don't know. I guess it depends who you ask. Hmm. <laughs> But I don't know. I, I hope I had some kind of influence uh, on, on these young Danish riders. Uh, no matter what, then definitely there are some very good ones. You know, and uh, and I think I think there's there should be more to come. You know, and uh, yeah, I look forward to to actually to see what's gonna happen in the future. You know, I mean, we have yeah, you said it, Mass Peterson, Askren, we have many of them, Søren Krog, we have Jonas Vingegaard was second in the tour last year. You know, so so it's gonna be. Super interesting to watch, and then yeah, I'm gonna see. Yeah, for such a small country, you just have a plethora of of talent, and it seems only to be getting better and better. But um, talking about the tour, you know, the grand depart for the 109th edition of the Tour de France starts in Denmark this year. Um, what does that mean personally to you? And what can we expect from that 13 kilometer time trial and those two? "Quote unquote flat stages, and we know that it's not necessarily flat in Denmark. What? Uh, well, what I think, think as a as a Dane, it's something big that the tour comes to Denmark. I think that it's the same thing for everyone. You know, I mean, I'm proud of it, uh, absolutely. And <clears throat> what can we what can we expect from? I think there are two or three spectacular." Uh, stages in, in, in Denmark. I mean, yeah, starting out with a time trial of 13 kilometers. I think that's going to be exciting. Um, a big fight for the yellow jersey the first day. No doubt about that. I mean, yeah, of course, Danish people, they want Casper Eskren and, and, uh, and you, Jens. I know you, 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 you're going, you're voting for, for Mass Peterson, you know, um, And of course, I'm also cheering for these guys. And uh, but I, I think I think we have a couple. They will. I mean, those two, uh, Søren Krag, they're going to be good in the first time trial, no doubt about that. You know, but definitely, I think that the specialists, as Ghana, uh, have an advantage. And uh, 
most of all because it's the first day and specialists are better prepared the first day than than the other guys because they are specialists and and you have to remember that starting the tour with a time trial important time trial like that these guys are well prepared for that uh, because taking the first day of the yellow jersey is almost as important as the world championship you know so uh, so uh, I think we're going to see a, a hard fight there for the yellow. And now we come to my favorite stage, stage number one. Um, we actually had the chance to drive that, some of it, in the car on the way to one of our shows, the one in Odense. Just tell us uh, or tell our viewers um, just a little bit about the last, whatever, 20, 30 kilometers and how this is going to play out because it will be beyond imagination, spectacular and dramatic, I believe. Bjarne, what do you think about that? I mean, first of all, I hope that there will be some wind because if there will be some wind, it will be spectacular, as you say. And, um, and then if there's wind, where does the wind come from? Which direction? But it, more or less, no matter where it comes from, somehow there will be wind before the bridge, on the bridge, uh, in the beginning of the bridge, or at the end of the bridge. You know. So, uh, so I hope it's not wind still that day. That will be a disaster for for uh, for the Tour de France <laughs> because everybody expects to it to be a spectacle. But uh, but definitely, it will, if the wind is all right, from the right direction, then uh, there will be riders everywhere, groups everywhere, and there will be some who will lose the tour that day, definitely. Um, not sure you're gonna win the tour that day, but uh, it takes a strong team, well organized team, being there on the right moment taking the risk at the right moment. <clears throat> and it's not a day where you have to be on the on the on the back front. Um, it would be so stressful the whole day. Super, super stressful. You know, so uh, but anyway, a pick for me is Mass Peterson that day that day actually. He will he will win that stage. Just a little add-on to explain to our um, viewers a little better. We talk about they crossed the longest bridge in Europe, 18 kilometers. That's about, what, Bobby, 12 miles, 13 miles maybe? And uh, a little bit less, yep. The finish line is two kilometers after they crossed the bridge. So they enter the bridge, 18 kilometers of pure exposed wind over the sea. Not just the lake, the sea. And then they cross the bridge... It goes fairly high up in the middle because all these big ocean ships have to pass underneath it. Drops down off the highway and just a little highway bridge and left turn and you in the finish line. So it will be dramatic if there's wind. 18 kilometers on a bridge out on the open sea. It will be the most fascinating thing you have ever seen, I believe. And, and I'll recommend to stay on the bridge because if, if you... Imagine there's a crash and you go over there. It's not that high, actually. You know, the, the, the side, what do you call it? Yeah, the uh, side barriers, I know. I know, they hold the car, but I think I they just... Inside. 150 maybe, 1 meter 50, not more than that. I know, I know. I was surprised when I saw that. I know. Well, yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> Yenzi, you know, 
I know I have a lot of the we call I call them the Bjarna isms that uh, have stuck in my head over the years. But I'm curious to ask you, Jens, what are some of the things that Bjarna used to say on a daily basis that have stuck with you and that you may may even use today? I always like when Bjarne uh, paused for a second to give it uh, some thoughts and um, that smile just like he does now, smile just like that and you go, huh, you really think so? I always <laughs> like these little moments when he made you, without even saying it, he made you rethink your strategy or what he wanted to see or what you did see to, huh, was it right? Did I sort it through? You know, Bjarne had this ability even without words to actually put a little doubt in your mind, like, hmm, am I sure about that or not? That's one of the memories I always had with Bjarne. <laughs> oh, for me, and I'm sure quite a few other riders on the team, for me, it's, guys, eat, drink, and spin the legs. Love that one, because <laughs> now I'm, I'm involved with a company that's all about fueling. So like eat, drink, spin the legs. But the other one, which I think of all the time, was when you were behind me in a uh, time trial. Catch the motorbike. Catch the motorbike. And sometimes I was just like, he's on a, he's, it's a motorcycle. I'm never going to be able to catch that motorcycle. But like it was just when you said that, it was like an instant 10, 15, 20 watts more. Like catch the motorbike, catch the motorbike. And um, the other one, guys, now we go. Now we go. Like that when you heard <laughs> Bjarna Reese say that over the radio, like 100 kilometers to go in the 2004 stage, I don't know, four of Perinice, and we're out in the middle of nowhere. And over the radio, he says, guys, now we go. And I'm looking at my, my, uh, my SRM, you know, looking at my, my kilometers. I'm like, there's 100K to go. And man, just that delay of not reacting, like looking down, I looked up and all seven of my teammates were in the front, like basically doing a seven-man team time trial. And I was the last guy to make it. And luckily I did. So after that, I never hesitated when, when you said, guys, now it's time to go because it was, it was go time. <laughs> Another good one I loved about Bjarne is when you would see Bjarne, he would hug you to say hi to you. But after one or two or three years, we found out he's checking your fat percentage. So he's acting like, hey, come, my son, I love you. And then he was, you could feel his hand. He goes, huh, I think he's checking my fat percentage. And Bjarne is laughing because it's true. But it took me at least three years to find that out. Now, I, I want to separate these things because definitely I wanted to give you guys a hug. Uh, absolutely. It has nothing to do with fat percent. But but I uh, I like to grab you, and and just yeah had a feeling of how was it going you, yeah? because I know that as a professional bike rider it's crucial that you're skinny, and uh, I think you know when you when you yeah when you touch somebody then then you can feel I feel I just feel <laughs> so. Uh, that's how it was. Well, talk about feeling. I, I really want to share this with our, our listeners because it was a, a pivot point in my life, to say the least. Uh, we got up to the top of Montessera in January training camp or February, I forget which it was, in 2004. And I think I finished 
fourth from last of the team. And I get to the top and I'm just thinking to myself, what am I doing here? I just need to go home, rip up my contract, retire, just just get out of here. And you came over and you pushed the SRM and looked at the average for that effort. And it was 389 watts. And I remember that to this day. And I was embarrassed, right? But you looked at me and you said, this is not your level. And after five years of basically poor results, mental milkshake, you know, the whole nine yards, I responded by saying, Bjarna, I think this is my level. And you said, no, it's not. And then you did something that changed me forever. You poked me in the chest four times in unison when you said the words, it's still inside you and walked away. The hair on my arm stood up. It's standing up right now because for the first time in a long time, I felt that someone supported and believed in me. Um, that was all that I needed. And from the next interval, my legs seemed to turn in a, in a different way. So much so that a few weeks, uh, you know, 10 days later, we did that, that, uh, that same test again. And this time I was third of the whole team behind Ivan and Jens. And my average was 429 watts. And I still remember that to this day. I could go back and find my SRM file. But um, those words had such an effect on me. And the changes that you, when, when you poked me in the chest made on me, I just, I, I just really wanted to share that with, with you in case you forgot, um, with our listeners and, and say thank you, because maybe you don't remember that. And my point here is you never know when you're going to have that effect on someone. So be gracious with compliments and, and support each other, because that support that you showed me that day changed my life. I mean, I had a great season in 2004, you know, coming out of nowhere for five years. So yeah, long-winded. I just wanted to show you my my appreciation and and tell you how much that meant to me so thank you you're welcome bobby i think <clears throat> you know the way i look at it is it's it, it's my job if i choose to be that leader i also have to do things like this you know uh and and it's it's about supporting you know telling Telling the things, the right things at the right time, I think that's important. And and that's, sometimes it is a feeling. And and if you want to be a good leader, then you need to feel also when it's needed to, to motivate you, pull you up, or the opposite, you know, say, okay, Bobby, now we take it easy. Just relax a bit, you know. Uh, are you talking too much or, or whatever or doing too much? Uh, but that's, <clears throat> I think, that's what it's all about. You know, if you want to be a coach, then then you need to, to look around and feel what you guys need. And uh, you cannot be afraid of telling what you feel and, and what you see. And, uh, and also 
at the end of the day, it's just motivation. Um, it already goes back a little bit to the leadership you were uh, showing us. And I just picked something up earlier when we talked that you say you feel like the teams, they need more leadership in the Giro or maybe also go into the tour. Where do you think will be or should the leadership be coming from? From the riders, the DS in the car, the team boss? Who should uh, uh, start showing more leadership from the bottom to the top or the other way around, from the top down to the bottom? Everywhere. I think, I think people should figure that out. Teams should figure that out. Uh, who needs to lead, who needs... I mean, <clears throat> it, I mean, you need to coach other people, but you also need to be coached yourself, you know? And, and, and a good question sometimes is to ask yourself, are you coachable? Yeah? You can be a good coach, but maybe you are in front of some some people they don't want to be coached, you know. So so if if you want leadership, then you need to open up and you need to be able to 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 be coached, you know. You need to be coachable. Um, but I think it's it's a two way thing. And it's not just something, okay, today I start. No, this is something you build up. It's something that, that you create and, and, and slowly, you know, making everybody understand that, okay, this is how we do now, you know. And this is like a philosophy, philosophy you create. You know, and, 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 and I think I hear sometimes, <clears throat> you know, people are telling me, you know, ah, Bjarne, Cycling is, is not what it was five, six, seven, ten years ago. Uh, it's different. The young guys are different today. They, they, they race differently. They don't have the same respect. They don't. Uh, and, and I'm like, oh, I don't really understand that. And kind of I don't really agree on that. Then I talked to a, a super coach uh, a couple of months ago. And I, I asked him this and I said, I, I, don't, I don't really agree. I don't understand this. And he said, no, you're right. Young people today, they drink more, they smoke more. Now I'm talking people in general. They have more, uh, they're more sick. They are more, uh, what do you call it? Um, depressed, unhealthy, yeah? depressed and then than before and he says that's because they don't know what to do they want to be coached they want to be elite led from other people but uh, they are not and this is why the young people today are so frustrated and this is also where i mean we need more leadership in this world not just cycling It's easy for us to talk about leadership, but um, I, I've told quite a few people over the years that uh, we did that documentary back in 2004 called Overcoming. And I have to say, I've gone back and watched it, um, had to stream it on YouTube because I don't have a DVD player anymore. But <clears throat> one of the real things that comes out 
watching that, you know, so many years, you know, since, since we did it was that you listened to us. And I feel that that is a very strong, um, part of being a leader so much so that I found this quote that I love and that I use to this day that leaders who don't listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. And to people that are curious, I know it's old and I know you'll have to stream it, but if you want to see what created the, the team, the team camaraderie, the team spirit, um, the results, the men that Bjorn Reese helped shape, go back and watch that show overcoming because it truly is, you know, maybe it was a little bit of pain in the butt when we had to, to film it, but I am so glad that we did that because it, um, it defines who we were and who you are. Yep. I can only agree to that, Bobby. That was uh, well said and I'm hundred percent behind you, Bjarne. You probably still don't, really understand how much of an influence you had on us and on our lives and yep that will never change so thanks again Bjarne for just being you and picking us back up back in the days and making us not only to better writers but also hopefully into better human beings so thanks again for that Bjarne and thanks also Thank for being our guest tonight Thank you you know it's not just me I mean I have to be to create you, Jens. I have to be more persons, not just me, not but also yourself, and uh, you know, <clears throat> and and the surroundings. So, but it's it's fascinating. Well, one more question before we wind this down and let you you uh, back to your family life. Are we going to ever see Bjorn Reese get back into? the general manager spot. I mean, you know, Kurt has a big up and coming team, Alberto and, and Yvonne have one and now Fabian has one. Is there any chance that we're going to see Bjarna back associated with the team in the, in the near future? It's hmm. a good question. I don't know. At the moment I spent some time on figuring out what I want to do in the next 10 years. Uh, and it doesn't have to be cycling. I'm very open, you know, uh, what it has to be is something with leadership uh, because that fascinates me. If I'm involved in cycling again, I don't know, probably not, but I'm also open, you know, to, to see what options there are. And if there's a, if the, the right project is there, I'm definitely going to look at it and then see if it's something for me or not. Uh, but I also understand it's, it might also be something different. Well, Bjarna, as always, absolute pleasure talking to you, catching up with you, seeing you, um, all the best with, you know, your, your family and, uh, your decisions in the future. And thank you so much for, for being our guest today on Bobby and Jens. Hey, thank you for having me. Good to see you guys. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. A huge thank you to Bjarna for being our guest. Thanks a million for listening. And please give us a five-star review and share us with your friends. The show was a Velo News production in association with Shock Giraffe. The producer was Mark Payne, and this episode was edited by Tim Moza. 
please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bobby and Jens and share your cycling stories with us. And if you like this podcast with Bjarna, why not go back and listen to some of our great chats with other cycling leaders like Grisha Nierman, Jim Okowitz, Jonathan Vodders, and Charlie Wigalius.